Good morning. It is wonderful to see you. I hope you've had a good summer. Uh, been a busy time for us. Our youngest daughter got married, so that was wonderful. We're now officially empty nesters, so that's great. Walking around the house in me underpants, it's marvellous. Marvellous. Um, but it is wonderful to be with you. I always love coming to Bridge and love being part of the Bridge family. And thank you again, Aaron. I know Cookie is up at Horwich. And thank you, Anna. Thank you for the, the trust. Thank you for allowing me to be part of your journey. And thank you for the honour this morning of uh, ministering the Word of God. And uh, if you've got a Bible with you, then I want to encourage you. Aaron read it right at the beginning from the book of Psalms. We're going to take another reading from that same book. And if you've got a Bible and you want to follow with me, then I'm going to read from Psalms 67. So whether you've got that on your phone or your tablet or one with pages like mine, if you have got a Bible, let me encourage you to grab that. Because I want to speak this morning about the fact that we are blessed to bless, that we are blessed to bless. And I think this is a a really important message for us as Christians in the 21st century generally. But also I feel like we're in a moment of world history where it's really important that we as the Church of Jesus Christ remind ourselves of both the incredible privilege we have of being a blessed people, but also maybe the incredible responsibility we have as well of being a blessing. And that comes sort of as a two-edged, as a double-edged idea, but one that we want to rejoice in. So Psalm 67, and just before we read that, I'm going to read you a, a bit of the Bible that uh, some of us may have maybe had a fresh engagement with. Uh, maybe through the music of Elevation Church, we've come across the song, The Blessing. And it's based on the priestly blessing, which is found in Numbers chapter 6. Not a book that many Christians enjoy all that much. But in Numbers chapter 6, we're told these incredible uh, words. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons... This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Okay, so that should like, that should uh, sort of cause our ears to, to prick up right there. God is telling Aaron how to bless people. And it says this, he's to say to them, the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So there's this beautiful idea within this blessing of a double idea of the Lord's face turning towards us. And then as a result of that, two things happening. Number one, the people of God experience the grace of God. May the Lord turn his face towards you and be gracious to you. And number two, the people of God experience incredible peace. So, so you get this beautiful idea that actually Aaron is given the authority to speak this blessing on the people. Now, with that in mind, read with me as we do Psalm 67 and see if you can hear the echo of the priestly blessing. So Psalm 67 says this, verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Let your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among the nations. May the peoples praise you, O God, may the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. 
May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest and God, our God, will bless. God will bless us and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Now, even a casual glance at the Bible will introduce us to a God who wants to bless. If you go right back to the very first page of the Bible, we're introduced to a God and it says of him that he created the heavens and the earth. And then, and then we read uh, over the next few verses of this incredible, lavish, generous God who is shaping and making a formless and empty universe into something that is truly, truly spectacular. And in the first week of creation, God is seen to bless explicitly three times. So not only is he doing some great stuff in in what he's making and what he's designing, but we see him blessing three times in in the space of those seven days. He blesses the animals so that they are fruitful and multiply. He blesses the humans so that they can increase and multiply. And then thirdly, he blesses the seventh Day. So we're introduced to a God, a, a God who, who speaks over the universe, whatever it looked like and whatever, whatever it contained, and he is shaping it into something amazing, and that is a reflection of his blessing. And it's almost like we're introduced to a, a God who universally wants to bless people. And that's a great idea, and that's the opening picture of the God we serve in the Bible. But it doesn't stop there. God then calls Abraham. He he calls people into a special relationship with him. And those who respond to that call of God enter into this beautiful relationship with the Lord. And not only do they enter into a relationship with God, but they become, as a result of that, a blessed people. And they end up receiving blessing from God simply because they've responded to his call. Not because they're any better than anybody else. Not because Abraham was better than his next door neighbor. But simply because Abraham responded to the call of God. And because he did that, he gets to enter in to this special blessing with God. And then we see a conversation develop over the Bible of God wanting to bless that people. And for that people themselves to be a blessing to their world. And when we think about the blessing of God. Now I don't want to be overly simplistic here. But I hope this will help. When, when we think about the blessing of God, there's sort of two ways to think about it. There's what I would call a positional blessing. There's a positional blessing that comes from God. Now, what do I mean by that? I, I mean this. Just because we respond to his call, we become blessed. Okay? So Abraham became blessed Not because he was better than anybody or not because he was brilliant or not because he was perfect or not because he was special. Abraham becomes blessed simply because he responds to God and in that response to God enters into a special relationship with God. And the result, he becomes a blessed man. Now that's nothing to do with his bank balance. It's nothing to do with his health. It's nothing to do with how many children he has. It's nothing to do with his his financial clout or social status. It's simply to do with the fact he's responded to God. And it's a positional blessing. Now Paul picks this idea up for the New Testament church. And here's what Paul says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us. 
with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Now that sounds amazing. It's a hard one to get your head around. Like, what does that mean? And we could spend all day long trying to work out what being blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus means. But here's one thing I absolutely know it means. Simply by being in Jesus, I'm blessed. That blessing of being in Jesus has nothing to do with anything else. It's nothing to do with my financial status. It's nothing to do with my social status. It has nothing to do with uh, my, my position, if you like, in how the world sees me. It's nothing to do with my gender or my color. It is simply to do with the fact I am in Jesus. Right? Now, now that's a big idea for us. And if you're a follower of Jesus here today, this is a massive idea that the Bible really wants us to get, that God really wants us to get. That actually, regardless of where we are, physically, financially, in the context of our world, if you are in Jesus, you are blessed. Now, you're not blessed because you're better than your neighbor, or you're not blessed because you're better than than, than someone living in a different part of the world. You are simply blessed because you responded to the call of God and entered into God's covenant of grace, generosity, and mercy. And because of that, you're blessed. Now, now here's what I've discovered, that many, many lovely Christians don't, don't really lean into that idea too hard. And, and here's why. It's because we're not so much inter- interested in our positional blessing. What we're really interested in is the practical blessing. All right? And the practical blessing are the sort of practical benefits of being in Christ Jesus. Okay? Yes, I, I understand I'm in Jesus, but like, but like I, I want the Lord to bless me materially and physically and in lots of different areas. And of course, there's nothing wrong with that. But, but here's, sometimes, here's sometimes the problem. We, we allow our practical experience to dictate to our positional reality. All right? I know that's a lot to think about on a Sunday morning, but this is crucially important. If we as Christians can understand it, first of all, positionally in Jesus, you are blessed. Then that allows us to address our practical areas of blessing with a completely different mentality. If we don't really understand how blessed we are positionally, then we tend to to look at that through the lens of our practical experience. So if my bank balance is, is good, then I'm blessed. If my bank balance is low, I'm not so blessed. If I've got a good job, I'm blessed. If I'm unemployed, I'm not blessed. If I'm healthy, I'm blessed. If I'm not healthy, I'm not blessed, okay? Now, now, now I understand all of that, but here's the danger. We allow our practical experience to influence our positional reality. And it has to be the other way around. Now, is the practical stuff important? It is. We're going to talk about that right now. But before we get to the practical stuff, it's really, really important that that we understand that wherever you are right now, whatever position you're in, whatever your circumstance is, good, bad, or ugly at a practical level, if you are in Jesus, you're blessed. And that's a real position of faith. 
that we've got to grab a hold of because, because actually, John, I don't feel very blessed. It doesn't look like I'm blessed. And I get that. I totally, totally understand why we think like that. And as humans, we're very prone to that. We're very prone to judge God from our practical position rather than understanding to, to, to understand who we are in Christ Jesus. And so the fact that you are in Christ means you're blessed. That's why worship is such an important idea. Because worship reminds us not of what we've got practically, but who we are positionally. And when you know who you are positionally, then that remains a blessed idea regardless of where you are practically. Does that make sense? I know it's not the most exciting thing and, and, and we would rather rush to the practical stuff and John, tell me how I can be more practically blessed. Absolutely, that's all over the Bible as well. But, but even when we think about Abraham, his practical blessing came out of his positional blessing. When we think of the church, our practical blessing comes out of our positional blessing. We are in Christ Jesus. And regardless of where I stand and regardless of my experience, I am blessed. So, so there's two things we've got to think about. As, as followers of Jesus, we've got to understand that as far as the world is concerned, the big global context in which we sit in, and I know it's hard to think about that when you're struggling to pay your rent or your mortgage or, or holding down three jobs. I, I get all of that. But when we think about our big global position, if you're in Christ, you're a blessed person. There are two billion people on the planet who've never heard the name of Jesus once. So if you have not only heard the name of Jesus, but received Jesus and become a follower of Jesus, you're blessed. Now, now that should get the biggest amen in the day, right? See, but, but that's part of the problem. We don't get so excited about that idea because we don't think about it very often. We, we, we understand pounds, shillings, and pence. You know, we, we understand uh, levels of practical blessing. And that's the stuff that really speaks to us. But as, but as followers of Jesus, if we can move to a place where positionally we understand that regardless of my practical experience, I am blessed in Christ Jesus, then that becomes a dynamic starting point, a dynamic springboard, a dynamic position out of which we live and out of which we can rejoice. So this morning, regardless of what you were going through, if you're in Jesus, you could have lifted up your hands and said, I'm blessed. Now, some of us won't like this, but I'll say it anyway. If you're sick, you could hold up your hands and say, I'm blessed. If you're unemployed, you could say, I'm blessed. Right? Because that blessing is not to do with what we have, but it's to do with who we are. Amen? <laughs> you with me? You sure? All right. Now, 
Does God want to practically bless you? He really does. And we'll, we'll lean into that in, in just a moment. Because when we move into the New Testament, uh, they pick up this beautiful idea that, that the Lord, not only are we blessed positionally in Christ, but the Lord wants to also bless us practically. And in fact, if you look at the New Testament part of the Bible, there are 27 books and there are 27 documents Of those 27 documents, the Apostle Paul writes 13 of them. Of his 13 documents, he begins 11 of them with this idea, grace and peace to you. It's a massive idea. It dominates the New Testament. In fact, Peter also picks this up, who is a follower of Jesus. In his first and second letter, first and second Peter, Peter says, grace and peace to you in abundance. So, so these are two men that understand positionally in Jesus, we're already blessed. And yet here's what they're saying, grace and peace to you. Now that's the echo of that priestly blessing. They're picking up that idea that God wants to lavish grace and lavish peace and lavish blessing on his people, even though they're already sort of blessed. He wants to continue to bless them. So just because we're positionally blessed doesn't mean that stops there. No, no, the Lord out of that position, that special relationship he has with me and you, he wants to now really bless us. He wants to uh, show, as it were, practical demonstration of his blessing through this grace and peace. And Paul says 11 times out of his 13 letters, grace and peace to you. And of the two times, that he doesn't say that. He adds a little bit in. In fact, to his young son in the faith, Timothy, in First and Second Timothy, Paul says, grace, mercy, and peace to you. He adds a bit in for Timothy, right? So you get this, this constant idea running through the New Testament. It's an echo of the priestly blessing from Numbers chapter 6. It's an echo of this idea that number one, in God, in Christ Jesus, being a follower of the Lord, responding to that call, I am blessed. But it doesn't stop there. The Lord wants to continue blessing us practically. And Paul writes to the church, writes to churches like ours, and he says, grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to you in abundance. He wants us to experience the supernatural blessing of the Lord. So for me and you as followers of Jesus, there are two amazing ideas we want to lean into when we think about blessing. Number one is positionally, you're blessed. For those who believed, John said, he gave the right to become children of God. Not born of a human idea or natural descent, but children born of God. John says, behold the love the Father has lavished on you, that you should be called children of God. Because that is what you are. Come on. Come on, it's better than you're responding, I have to say. It's much, much better than that. Because that's the truth. If you were to die right now in Christ Jesus, whatever your practical state, if you were to die right now, if your heart was to stop, you would be instantaneously transported into the presence of God, absent from the body and present from the Lord in an eternal state of absolute glory. That's how blessed you. And it's nothing to do with you. It's not because you're good. It's not because you're better than your neighbor. It's not because you're clever. It's because of his grace. And his mercy and his peace. 
And it's an incredible idea. And I try to remind myself of this idea every single day. It's one of the confessions I start with every day. That I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Even if I don't fully understand what that means. I'm a blessed man. Why? Because I'm in Christ. Right? But here's what I've also discovered. And my own experience would bear this out. God wants to also practically bless us. But why? Why would someone like me, wee boy, growing up in Belfast, why would someone like me be allowed the privilege of being blessed by God? To, be, to become not just a son of Alec and Ruth Andrews, but to become a son of God. Why? Why, why after bringing me into his family, does the Lord continue to practically bless me in just the most amazing ways? I mean, I stand before you with someone more blessed than I've ever been and at multiple levels. I don't just mean money. I mean, just so many levels of my world where I could say, my goodness, look at that. That's not just, that's not just being in Jesus, my position. Look what the Lord's done for me. Look what the Lord's given me. It's just incredible. And I look around and I think, well, Lord, why would you bless me like this? And, and again, there's two reasons for that number one he just wants me to be blessed the Lord loves you and loves me so much that he wants us to experience his supernatural blessing but the second reason is he wants me to be a blessing this is where Psalm 67 comes a dynamic missional poem I've described this as it's a dynamic missional poem Psalm 67 picks up the idea of the priestly blessing. I don't know if you heard the echo of that, but if you read Numbers chapter 6 and in Psalm 67, immediately beside each other, you can't miss the echo. And the person who wrote Psalm 67 was rehearsing the priestly blessing. And anyone who knew anything about the Torah, as far as the Jewish world is concerned, couldn't help but hear Psalm 67 and think of the priestly blessing. Now let me show you the parallels because they're absolutely striking. Here's, here's a summary of the priestly blessing. It goes like this. The Lord bless you, and then there's a little bit, and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you, and the Lord be gracious to you. So the, there are the big ideas, three big action points in this blessing. But then listen to Psalm 67, how it begins. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. You see the connectors? Let me read it for you again. Here's the, here's the priestly blessing. The Lord bless you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Psalm 67, the Lord be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. You can't miss that. That's, it's designed to make you think of that idea. Uh, and we've got this gorgeous connection. The, the writer of the psalm picks up these three big blessing ideas of the priestly blessing and reminds the people of God that God wants to bless us. May he be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Now, but, but here's the thing. In Psalm 67, there's not a full stop there. It's a sort of a, it's a pause. It's a comma. Uh, not literally, but, but sort of as you read it, there's a little comma here in the statement. Because in Psalm 67, it doesn't just say, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. But then it goes on to say this, so that, 
So that, so that what, John? So that your ways may be known on earth. So that your salvation among the nations. Now look at this. If you just read numbers, here's what it looks like. God just wants to bless his special people. That's it. This people he's got a special relationship with. This people who've responded to him and he just wants to bless them. Yeah, my, my face will turn towards you. I'll be gracious to you. My face will turn towards you and I'll give you my peace. And if you're not careful, it becomes a full stop. But just in case, just in case people think it's a full stop, the psalmist, the writer of this beautiful psalm reminds us it's not a full stop. That actually the Lord wants to bless his people and be gracious to them. The Lord wants to bless his people and give his peace to them for a reason. So that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among the nations. In fact, I don't know if you noticed if you were following with me closely, but Psalm 67 has two examples of dynamic repeat symmetry. So the psalm begins and ends with the same idea. They're like big bookend ideas. Let me remind you of it. Here's how the psalm begins. Verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face shine upon us. So that your ways may be known on earth. Your salvation among the nations. Now listen to verse 7. God will bless us. And all the ends of the earth will fear him. Identical idea. It's like what he begins with in the psalm. He ends with in the psalm. So he says, may the Lord bless us so that your salvation is known to the ends of the earth. And then at the end he says, God will bless us and his name will be known. So you get these beautiful beginning and ending ideas in Psalm 67. And then I don't know if you noticed, but in verses 3 and 5, there is an identical repeat sentence. So you get this first and last idea of being blessed to be a blessing. And then you get in verses 3 and 5 this statement. May the peoples praise you. May all the peoples praise you. That's repeated twice. Identical phrase, twice. Now, whenever the Bible repeats an idea more than once, it's like, it's like the writer is turning up the volume. Okay? Now, everything in the Bible is important, so we should take even a statement that's made once seriously. But when a writer repeats an idea once, uh, twice or three times or four times, it's like every time it's repeated, the volume's turned up. And what the writer is saying is, pay attention. Pay attention to this idea. Now we're reminded of two things that he's turned the volume up on. Number one is, God, may he bless us. And then he says, he will bless us. Why? So that the ends of the earth will know who the Lord is. And then in the middle of that, he says, may the peoples praise you, O God. May the peoples praise you. Both those repeated ideas are sort of saying the same thing. And they're saying this. Now, this is the big idea. If blessing comes to us, it is so that it will flow through us. If blessing comes to me from the Lord as an individual, it's not just so that I can enjoy it and he wants us to enjoy it. So there's nothing wrong with enjoying it. But he wants it to flow through me to people not yet blessed. 
Come on now. It's a massive idea. It's at the very heart of God's special relationship. This special relationship that God has with people has been really misunderstood. And some people have sort of said, well, God picks people for himself. He selects people to be blessed and some people to to be cursed and die. And actually the biblical narrative is exactly the opposite idea. Here's the reason he wants a special relationship with an Abraham or a people or with me or with you here in Bridge Bolton. It's not just so that he can bless me, which he does, and he has, but it's so that whatever he blesses me with, it's with an understanding that it's not just to stick with me, but it's to flow through me to my world. Come on, are you with me? So if I am positionally blessed, that is, I'm in Jesus, that's for the reason of using that blessing to try and engage with those who are not yet in Jesus. To experience that blessing. If the Lord has blessed me practically because of that relationship. And I am in some way physically or financially or emotionally or relationally blessed or enhanced. It is not just so that I can enjoy that. But so that I can use in some way that resource. So that those not yet blessed by God. Or at least those who don't know they're blessed by God will experience his supernatural grace. Does that make sense to you? So his blessing comes to us so that it can flow through us. And this is really emphasized in the psalm. In fact, the psalm's language is really global. It's massive. Again, I don't know if you noticed, but let me, let me if you're making notes or you want to hunt these ideas down, it's pregnant with global imagery. So, so look at the psalm again. Three times in the psalm, We've got the word nations mentioned, once in verse 2 and twice in verse 4. Five times in the psalm we have the word peoples mentioned. Now some translations have translated it people and others peoples. Now you've just got to trust me on this, you can check it out. But the Hebrew in that context, every single time people is mentioned, it's plural. So it's pointing not just to the people of God, but the peoples of the earth. So we've got nation mentioned three times. We've got peoples mentioned five times. Twice in verse three, once in verse four, twice in verse five. In the context of the psalm, God blesses three times. This is an echo to the Genesis story where God blesses the world three times. Incredible. Earth is mentioned four times, verse 2, in verse 4, in verse 6, and in verse 7. And God is mentioned six times. Now here's an interesting little contrast that I want you to see. And those of you that like to hunt this down for your study and for further reflection. This is a, a dynamic little contrast point. When you think of the priestly blessing, it says the Lord bless you. Now the word there for Lord is the sort of divine name. It's the covenant name of God. We sometimes refer to that name as either the Lord or Yahweh. You may have heard that name. And it's the name that the Lord uses that in a special relationship. It's a covenant name, an agreement name. In Psalm 67, the word Lord is not used, but the word God is used six times. Now, why is that important? Well, because I think that's an echo back to Genesis. Because in Genesis, in the creation story, only the word God is used. In fact, it's used 34 times in the first 34 verses of Genesis. Incredible. 
And, and what, what's the picture? This is the universal God. This is the God of creation. This is the God of the whole world. This isn't just a God who wants a special relationship with the people. This is a God of the whole world. So when you look at the creation God, he's the God of the whole world. And it's the God of the whole world who speaks here in Psalm 67. Six times his name is mentioned in that whole world sense. Because he really wants his people to understand. Yes, you're blessed. Yes, I will bless you. But I am blessing you so that through you, my name will come to the whole world. That's what he's after. That's what he wants for me and for you. Now, now listen, does he want to bless you? Absolutely. Is it okay for you to enjoy that blessing? Absolutely. Is it, is it okay for me to, to celebrate the blessing I've received? Yes, 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 and yes. But it mustn't stop there. Come on. It mustn't stop there. Because when it stops there, Actually, the blessing that's intended to both enrich us and empower us loses something of its energy and power. When the Lord called Abraham, he said to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And most people would want to say, oh, my name's going to be made great. But, but God goes on, and I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You are here because of that blessing. Amazing. Now, it doesn't... Mean much to us in the 21st century, all those thousands of years ago, God speaking to a, a roaming nomad in the middle of nowhere. But the ultimate seed of Abraham is Jesus Christ. And, and through Jesus Christ, the nations of the world are being blessed. And we're part of that program. We're part of that conversation. Does that make sense to you? You sure? You still love me? All right. Now, there are two dangers with the blessing, and I'm drawn to a close. You'll be glad to hear. But there are two very subtle and dangerous bless, uh, dangers with the blessing that I've discovered in my own life, and I've discovered in the life of those that I live with and work with and lead and serve with, and it's this. The blessing can become about me. Now, what happens when the blessing becomes about me? my world becomes small. Amen? See, when I remember that the blessing is, yes, for me, but not only me, then my world remains big. Because the focus of the blessing is not inward, the focus of the blessing is outward. I understand, yes, I can enjoy this blessing, I can celebrate this blessing but I'm also called to think about, my goodness, what privilege I have. And how can I use that Jesus privilege, both positionally and practically, to bless my world? Now, when I forget that, when I just think that the Jesus privilege is me, my world shrinks. Are you with me? I, I was in Singapore over the summer, and... Uh, I managed to book myself a premier economy seat. Now, it's a 14-hour flight. So, 
you know, uh, it, you've really got to get your head and your backside into that flight. It's a big flight. And, and I've done it many, many times, flying direct from London to Singapore. So I, I managed to book a premier economy ticket and I booked the front seat of the, of the cabin so I could have extra leg room. So I was in 31K. But as often happens, if the flight is full, they start offering upgrades. Now, Singapore Airlines business class is a world apart. So when you fly economy long haul, you've maybe had the experience of sitting in a row of three on the right or a row of three on the left or a row of four in the middle. All right. Have you been there? Anyone done that? Okay. So if you've done that, you, you know what that's like to be squeezed in. In Singapore Airlines, the business class seat takes up what three economy seats would pick up. Yeah. Wow. It really is. Now, you need a mortgage to buy a, a, a business class ticket. So here I am in my premier economy, and I'm saying, Lord, Lord, could I have an upgrade? Could I have an upgrade? Could I have an upgrade? And I'm praying, asking the Lord for an upgrade. And they're calling all these names to be upgraded, and my name's not called. And I got a bit annoyed with the Lord. And I'm going to minister for three weeks. I'm going to be in some of the biggest churches in the region and minister there. I'm, I'm about to have a most amazing trip. I'm getting annoyed. Because my ticket is only premier economy and not business. Are you with me? Now, I know this is first world problems, but I felt like, I felt like the world, like, I felt like, Lord, why, why, haven't you, why haven't you helped me? Why haven't you blessed me? And I felt, as I stood in the departure lounge, I felt like the Holy Spirit rebuked me. And he said, you're in 31K for a reason. And I really felt the sting of that. Now, I don't want to over-dramatize the story, but I felt like the Holy Spirit just like, ooh. You know what I mean? You ever had that moment where the Holy Spirit just goes, ooh. And you just know, ooh, okay, all right. Get your head out of your backside, John, for five minutes and think about the world around you. And so, and so I said, Lord, I'm really sorry. If I'm meant to be sitting in 31K because the person beside me is meant to be sitting beside me, then I want to be a blessing. I, and you see, here's my problem. I, I, when I got on that flight, I was thinking about me. Well, that's okay. But the Holy Spirit was thinking about Andrew. Andrew was the bloke sitting beside me. Andrew and I get, got into an amazing conversation. He asked me what I was going to Singapore for and I told him. And he said to me, he put his hand out and he went, I'm not religious. <laughs> and then we talked about spirituality and religion for about six hours. And by the end of the trip, it would take too long to tell you the conversation, but by the end of the trip, he said this to me. He said, you have made me think about Jesus in a way that I have never thought about Jesus before. Now, I'd, I'd love to tell you that I led him to the Lord in the premier economy cabin. That didn't happen, right? It didn't happen. And, and I'm hoping and praying maybe someone will lead him to the Lord. The point I'm trying to make is much more, much more inglorious than that. I got on that plane with, with my head and my navel. I was thinking about me. And the Holy Spirit was thinking about him. Come on, are you with me? See, that, that's the problem. When I just think about me, when I just think about God blessing me, now, now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I've already established the Lord wants to bless you and he wants to do good things in our lives. But when I reduce God's blessing just down to me, my world shrinks. And the Holy Spirit just reminded me just a couple of weeks ago, John, it's not, 
actually about you. It's about Andrew. I've put Andrew in the seat beside you. The proverb says the world of the generous gets larger and larger while the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Are you with me? When the blessing stops with us, it becomes about me and our world gets smaller. Secondly, and quickly, the band are here, so we're going to sing in a moment. It becomes about more. And my world becomes selfish. More, Lord. More, Lord. Give me more, Lord. Now, I have no problem with the idea of asking the Lord for more. But if the more is an end in itself. Come on. Ladies and gentlemen, if Jesus didn't do another thing for you, you are as blessed as you'll ever be. When we say more, I know what we mean. We want, we want, it would be great to have more stuff. It would be great to have more money. It would be great to have more health. It would be, absolutely. And I am not in any way pushing back against that. As long as we understand that the point of the more is not just to have, but to share. To use. Yes, enjoy the more. Absolutely. Enjoy it but share it. Uh, back in Singapore, I sat at my breakfast table and the hotel I was staying in was a buffet breakfast. And I love watching people. I don't know if you're like me. I sit and observe people because I love to see people's behavior, especially different cultures. I'm fascinated at how people behave. And I was sitting, and this is how I do breakfast. I mean, the buffet breakfast was just immense. Food just flowing everywhere. It was incredible. And I would go down and he, this was my general pattern. I'd, I'd go and grab a cup of coffee because that's the most important thing. <laughs> grab my first cup of coffee and then I'd get a bit of fruit and a bit of granola and I'd sit down and the plan was I'll eat that and then I'll see how I feel. And then maybe when I finish my fruit and my granola, I think I'll go and get some eggs. Maybe I'll have an omelette. Maybe I'll have some scrambled eggs. Maybe I'll see if the chef will rustle me up a couple of poached eggs, but I'll see how I feel. And a few bits and pieces as well around that. You know, you can't just have eggs, right? So a few other bits and pieces. And then, and then at the end of that, I'll see how I feel. Second cup of coffee, eggs. And actually, I then, oh, I feel like a few pastries. So I went and got some croissants. A couple of croissants, bit of butter. Third cup of coffee, jobs are good. It's marvelous. And I'm sitting down, I'm now in my routine. I know how to do this every day. I know where everything is and how it all works. And as I'm sitting down, there's a mum and, and her son come into the, the restaurant. Now, uh, they, they weren't Singaporean. They weren't uh, British. They were from another country, okay? So, so I don't quite know where they were from, but I, I know they weren't local because I couldn't quite catch the language, but I know it wasn't, it wasn't local. But I was fascinated by them because when the wee boy especially walked in, it looked like he had died and gone to heaven, you know? Hey, he's looking at the buffet going, come on, come on. And for the next 15 minutes, and I timed them, I'm sitting here, there's a gap, they're sitting there. For the next 15 minutes, they went from their table back to the buffet, back to the table, back to the buffet, back to the table, back to the buffet. I was so fascinated by the amount of food on the table, I wanted to take a picture. 
I did, but I thought she'll probably hit me with something. She'll probably you know, throw some of that food at me or something. But I desperately wanted to take a picture because it was fascinating. And I'm not making this up. A mom and a little boy, their table is now so filled with food. There is literally no room for anything on the table. And as I watched that, I thought, isn't that just like us? There's plenty of food. I felt like saying to her, darling, you know you're in Singapore. This is like, this is like the food capital of the world. They're, we're not going to run out of food anytime soon. Take your time. Slow down. You don't need to load the table up. You can take your time. But as I watched that mom and her son, and please forgive me if I've judged them wrongly, it looked like they were, let's grab as much as we can for us. Just in case. Just in case just in case and actually sometimes we're like that with the Lord it's about filling our own table just in case listen to me very very carefully the Lord's not going to run out of blessing anytime soon the Lord's not going to forget where you live anytime soon the Lord's not going to ignore your needs or your call anytime soon he loves you he wants to bless you he wants to look after you and take care of you but but actually our our goal is not to fill the table with food our goal is to recognize that the table we have been given is so that we can share our blessings with the world whatever that looks like And I want to remind you this morning as I draw this to a close, you are blessed in Christ Jesus. Whatever you have or don't have, you're blessed. Whatever we believe our status in society is or isn't, we're blessed. Whatever even the condition of our health, and I'm not minimizing that at all, we're blessed. And if we can make that the starting point or the springboard point or the central point of our thinking ladies and gentlemen genuinely I mean this with all my heart it's a game changing idea it'll change the way we look at our lives it'll change the way we will look at what we have and what we don't have it will change the way we consider ourselves as far as our world is concerned but if like me there is a measure of blessing in your life practically, physically, materially relationally that blessing isn't just for me to enjoy and I do enjoy it so I'm not I'm not trying to be a hypocrite here I do enjoy it but it's also for me to share I I turned on my news I look at a city a third of which disappeared in about 30 minutes 11,000 people swept out to sea while they slept. It's just unbelievable, isn't it? Unbelievable. And it's easy for me to go, well, oh, bless them. Or, or actually realize, hold on, I am in a position of incredible privilege and blessing and safety. Could I, could we, could we in some way show the blessing of God to them or people like them because of God's blessing to us. That's the call. So that your name will be made known on the earth. It's one example of many examples, but so that your name will be made known on the earth. Amen. Will you stand with me if you can? You've been incredibly patient. Thank you.
Let me remind you before I pray for you that the blessing that has come to you is also designed to flow through you. I've been blessed with an education, blessed with a passport, blessed to live in a country of political, religious, and democratic stability and freedom. Blessed to have the world that I have, blessed to have the financial privilege that I have, blessed to have a home that I own for my own. Blessed in so many ways, and I'm enjoying all of those blessings. But for me, the challenge is how can I use what I've been given so that your name will be made famous and glorious in the whole earth. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever way the Lord has practically blessed you, may we be men and women who understand both the privilege of that blessing but the responsibility of that blessing. And wherever you are and whatever your position, remember that in Christ Jesus, you are blessed. And you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in his name. And even that alone makes you one of the most blessed people in the whole world. And so brothers and sisters, may the Lord bless you. And may he keep you. May the Lord lift his face upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. So that, so that his name will be known across the earth. So that his salvation will come to men and women, boys and girls. So that his name will be feared. His name will be honored and his name will be glorified. Amen.